Pickle. Fair 64 podcast 100% live today, folks. And don't forget, oh my god, it's the Ferret Awards! It's the third annual motherfucking Ferret Awards. We've been doing this for three freaking years, man. But we're here, we're, we're live, and we are going to be going through all the nominations before we start the official podcast here. But I hope everyone's doing fantastic today. I hope everyone's having a Great weekend, a start to your weekend. Uh, this is the biggest morning in video games, folks. This is the biggest morning in video games. Uh, no one else does award shows in the morning, especially in the morning on a Saturday. So, um, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. Uh, thank you so much for everyone being here in the chat so far. We got... Uh, Callus Greedy Tater and Kenobi so far, I believe, and Marie is here as well. Uh, so thank you everyone for tuning in in the morning, early in the morning. Because this is a live podcast and we're doing an award show, I only ask that sound commands don't be used during the award videos. Okay, that's the only thing I ask. Don't do sound clips during the award videos because that'll kind of mess it up a little. Uh, how you doing today, Lukester? Hope you're doing good this morning. Okay, so, folks, this is big. We got a big day ahead of us. We got all of the nominees and the videos associated with them. We're going to go through all the winners of the third annual Ferret Awards. And then, afterwards, we're doing a live, live podcast episode where we talk about the latest video game news, occurrences, First, uh, and, and also, I have some games that I've been playing this past week. Also, what's coming soon? Did I say that? <laughs> uh, so, yes. Um, please sit back, relax. If you want to chat, please do. Uh, we are going to be jumping in to the first nomination category here. And it is... Here are your nominees for the favorite game that Yemi the Ferret streamed in 2023. Metroid Prime Remastered. The Last of Us Part 1. Ratchet and Clank Going Commando. GoldenEye 007 Detroit Become Human Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut Burnout 3 Takedown God Hand Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019. All right, folks. And the winner 
for favorite game streamed is Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. So Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. As you can see, we got our pie chart here. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima definitely got the most votes here out of all of them. Uh, and yeah, this is a category where I just go, anyone who suggests the game, just get, it just gets put onto the list because, you know, who am I to pick five games from everyone's everyone's stuff? Uh, my personal favorite was, of course, Burnout 3. Uh, it was at the beginning of the year, and I just, uh, I, I just really loved um, playing through that game early in the year. Uh, but, I mean, you can't knock Ghost of Tsushima. I mean, it's a great game. It definitely was uh, a lot of fun while playing. And, um, yeah, I just I just really enjoyed it. Uh, if you look at the pie chart here, um, Metroid Prime Remastered got the second highest votes, and Detroit Become Human got the third highest votes. So um, a lot of people just kind of voted for the, the one that they suggested, but there was a lot of people who also didn't submit for... Uh, nominations for favorite stream game, so that's where the difference comes up. But yeah, it's a good category to start on. It's a good palate cleanser. If there's audio issues or something like that, we it's not like that important of a category. But now we get into a category that is a personal favorite of mine, and that is. Hey everyone, I'm Kane Plays Games, a variety Twitch streamer, YouTuber, and TikTok creator who's also an aspiring voice actor and author, and today we're here to celebrate those games that we just keep on playing even if our backlog tells us we probably shouldn't. Yes, it's time for the Still Playing Award, and your nominations are... Final Fantasy XIV Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Plato Fortnite Roller Coaster Tycoon Thanks to Emmy for inviting me and congratulations to all the games that were nominated. Okay, and thank you again to uh, Kane from Kane Gameplays for doing the nominations there the winner was mario kart 8 deluxe that's right mario kart 8 deluxe is the winner um for obvious reasons for obvious reasons uh i think everyone and their mother went to go play mario kart 8 this past year um and it was i don't believe it was nominated for last year's award but it probably should have been too but um, this year, it definitely, I, I think that because most of the tracks released during the year, I think the, like the most people were playing during the year, me included, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, that was, that was that, uh, second highest votes went to Fortnite, of course, cause you know, what else would get other votes? Uh, and Final Fantasy fourteen. I know exactly who voted for Final Fantasy fourteen. It's the two people who stream it, Kane and Nomad. Um, and then the rest of them um, didn't get too much. Uh, but I, of course, had to go with my pick, which is Rollercoaster Tycoon. Um, and honestly, <laughs> honestly, this is the only category where I was like, um, 
my picks winning. <laughs> my picks getting in there. Not winning. My picks getting in there on this category. Um, but uh, thank you to everyone. Of course, thank you to everyone who nominates. Uh, I do have to pick and choose sometimes. But for this case, I was like, mm, roller coaster ticket. <laughs> roller coaster. But congratulations to Mario Kart 8. Of course, Mario Kart 8 was a was a big game. Big game this year. So, all right, let's move on to the next category, which is. Here are your nominees for best DLC, update, or content drop. Power Wash Simulator Back to the Future DLC. Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways Dead Cells Return to Castlevania God of War Ragnarok Valhalla Okay, and the winner is by a landslide. It's God of War Valhalla. God of War Ragnarok Valhalla DLC. A landslide win here. I I, I would say more than half the votes went to God of War Valhalla for good reason. It's a damn good free update for the game. Okay, it's a damn good free update. And if you haven't played it yet, uh, this is this is this is your sign to go and, and play that. It's free. <laughs> Thank you, Gree. It's free. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, obviously, uh, Resident Evil 4 Separate Ways had some motion, and the Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, which, of course, you know, you kind of you kind you kind of go like, okay, well, out of out of these three picks, I, I like I would still like I haven't played Phantom Liberty, but I would still choose Valhalla over everything else, honestly. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, kind of, kind of a nice, a nice, a very interesting spread. I will say that it's a very interesting spread. How's it going today, Nomad? We're almost getting to your category in a, in, in a little bit here. Um, so yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy here. Valhalla came, snuck in at the end of the year and guess which award show doesn't wait until the end of the year to do their nominations and voting. Hmm. The Game Awards, who totally did not, totally didn't snub God of War Valhalla for best DLC, you know, totally, told they would never do that, because the game wasn't even out at that point, but that's why I wait until the end of the year, because good things come out in December, contrary to popular belief with the Callisto Protocol last year, but I'm, that's besides the point. And you know what we won't see next year for best DLC free update, blah, 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 blah? God of War Valhalla on the Game Awards show. Jeff Cayley, I'm not going to say fuck you, but, but I'm a little bit disappointed in you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next category, which is best... Oh. Hello. I'm Tay from Taymation Studios. You might recognize me also from Film Freaks every other week where we talk about a movie. Today I'm here to present the best multiplayers of the year. The nominees are Street Fighter 6, Party Animals, 
We were here expeditions, the friendship. Lethal Company. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Okay, and yes, thank you to Tay Mation Studios for uh, doing the nominations for this vi- for this one. And the winner is Lethal Company for Best Multiplayer. Lethal Company. Uh, another landslide victory here for the the folks at Lethal Company. Uh, uh, this is definitely not going to be the last time we see Lethal Company, but will it win next time? I guess we'll find out. Uh, other nominations here. Um, we we got some uh, like a, a a three-way tie for the second place, uh, which was between We Were Here, Expeditions, The Friendship, Party Animals, and Street Fighter Six. Um, and then one vote went to Mario Bros. Wonder. I wonder who that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean yeah, I mean obviously uh, Lethal Company has swept the nation, kind of like how Among Us did back when that first came out. Uh, Among Us kind of swept the nation. It's still going strong, don't get me wrong, but it's obviously not as strong anymore as it was. Uh, Lethal Company, though, it's it's up, right up there with the rest of them. It's got some great co-op elements in there. Obviously, lots of funny moments. Um, so, there you go. Uh, deserved, I suppose. Um, I, I really liked We Were Here Expeditions. I actually voted for that myself. Um, I don't think enough people played it. It, I mean, it's a. Fr- it was free for like three months. <laughs> I don't think enough p- enough people played it though. Um, Party animals was was good. I, I didn't I didn't like super enjoy it myself, but you know I understand why people like it. And of course, Street Fighter Six. Uh, I, I I I found that very a very, a very fun fighting game. Uh, better than Mortal Kombat One, but kind of on the same level in some ways too. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, best multiplayer game once again. Think of the Tay for for doing the best multiplayer category for me. Next up, we got this category. Hello, my name is Gritty Waffles, and I am lifelong friends with Yemen the Ferret, as well as veteran video gamer and football guru as well. Today I am here to present to you most unique experience games of 2023 in the Ferret Awards. The nominees for Most Unique Experience are Boulder's Gate 3 Meet Your Maker Alan Wake 2 Dredge and Bomb Rush Cyberpunk And yes, thank you to Greedy Waffles for doing that category. The winner is, in the most unique category, Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 is the winner for that category. When I do these award shows, I try and explain the category as best as I can. Um, And sometimes, sometimes I don't fully agree with what people put there. And in this case, I don't think Baldur's Gate 3 is a strong, unique game. I feel like Baldur's Gate 3 is a tried-and-true 
kind of gameplay experience, turn-based, RPG, heavily inspired by Dungeons & Dragons kind of thing. Um, and in this case, I definitely would have gone for something else, and I personally did. I, I voted for... Um, I, I think I voted for uh, either Meet Your Maker or Dredge here. I don't remember which one. I think it was Dredge. Uh, but uh, I like... That's the thing. Baldur's Gate 3, phenomenal game. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but unique game, I understand that there are... You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty unique, like, as in, like, lots of diverse and layered things happening. But for me personally, I would have gone with, with something else because... You know, it's not wholly unique. Like, a unique game should be one that really changes the genre. It really is something that el- that, that, that just kind of is, is, is out of left field, right? Uh, things like Meet Your Maker, like a first-person trap-making dungeon kind of game, pretty unique. Dredge, you drive this little boat around, you fish, and it's like all it's all Lovecraftian. Um, Alan Wake 2 even has those unique aspects of, like, doing the boards and doing the crime scenes and stuff like that um and bomber of cyberpunk even though it's not like super unique um it, it is pretty unique for nowadays seeing as just have radio uh hasn't really been around for quite some time um but yeah i mean honest you know fuck me right <laughs> uh but uh congratulations Baldur's gate Baldur's gate 3 for the win um it may be not deserved, but hey, it's not. It's it technically none of these are my nominations except for the few that I added in post when when there weren't enough. So, um, congratulations, Baldur's Gate three. Let's move on to the next category, which is. Hello, my name is Nomad Eric, and I am known as a connoisseur of a variety of things: JRPGs, RPGs, and the sort. But one thing that most people don't know that I am is a very big connoisseur of sports gaming and sports in general. Sports have always been a major bonding experience for me and my friends and family and sports games have kind of taken on the exact same role in certain circles that I'm in and therefore I am proud to be here to give the nominees for the best sports game of 2023. And the nominees are EA Sports FC24. F1 Manager 2023 Super Mega Baseball 4 WWE 2K23 AEW Fight Forever Alright, and another landslide I would say goes to WWE 2K23 um, I have not played any of the games on the sports category for this category. I mean, I have played sports games this year, but, uh, not in, in, in these ones here. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, WWE 2K23 won in this category, fo- closely followed by EA Sports FC 24 and a tie for third place, uh, between F1 Manager and AEW Fight Forever. I don't have a lot of a lot to say about this category because obviously, like I like I said, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really play any of these. I didn't play any of them at all. I'm not super big on wrestling, especially wrestling games. The only one I've really played in the past couple of years is that that 2K wrestling game that Greedy and Callus and I played together. But um, yeah, yeah, congratulations WWE 2K23, going from one of the worst games 
ever in like 2021 to being one of the best sports game of the year. Um, that is pretty impressive, and I'm glad that they've turned it around. I'm glad they turned it around. All right, next up, next category. How's it going, Furry Metal Ferret? How you doing today? Next category. Let's go. What's going on, guys? This is Maz from Maz Tech Gaming. For those of you that don't know me, I am a variety achievement hunting streamer on Twitch and a good friend of Yemi the Ferret. It's my honor to present the nominees in the best combat category. The nominees are Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon, Final Fantasy 16, Dead Island 2, Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Hi-Fi Rush. All right. Thank you to Maz Tech Gaming for doing that category. And the winner is by another kind of landslide Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Um, hey, what's up, Kane? <laughs> your category was the second category, so you missed your own thing, but that's okay. That's okay. I appreciate you doing that still. Uh, but yes, uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor um, was the winner here, uh, closely followed by Final Fantasy and Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Um, and yeah, I mean, out of out of all the all of the all the categories, um, Jedi Survivor. I'm sorry, out of all the nominations, Jedi Survivor does have a pretty good combat system. I think that, that's one of the things I really praise the game for. You know, minus all the technical glitches and whatever, um, I think the combat in the game is very stellar. I think the multiple stances you can play around with and, um, you know, all, all the different uh, force moves and stuff like that, that you can get it really does elevate that game. I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 16 these past few days, actually for the past, like, week now trying to get that done. I'm about, I'm about halfway through at this point. Uh, maybe a little bit more than halfway through. And uh, the combat is good. Hasn't, like, wowed me, you know? Like, there are segments that do wow me, don't get me wrong, but they are they are, they are a bit uh, far and in between. Um, Dead Island 2 uh, got, like, one vote. Um, and I, I do I do like that. I mean, this is going to be a trend for, for the rest of these categories, by the way, but... <laughs> I do really like Dead Island 2, and I think that it's, um, you know, it's not high art or anything like that, but the combat is really fun in that game. It's just kind of dumb, stupid fun, you know what I'm saying? Um, and other than that, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, I think it does have good combat. Um, so, you know, it's, it's worth worthy of being on there. Uh, and Armored Core, Armored Core, I think, pers I think Armored Core is my personal pick for this one, just because of how how different each build is that you can make on your mechs um but i i do st i do like the jedi survivor pick here i think that i think that's a good one um all right let's go ahead and move on to the next one which is here are the nominees for the game that left you speechless hi-fi rush Final Fantasy 16. 
Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Robocop, Rogue City. The Talos Principle 2. is Marvel Spider-Man 2. Marvel Spider-Man 2 is the winner on this one. Um uh, kind of I guess it I mean I keep saying landslide but it is relatively close uh because we only got 17 votes on this. So, you know, half of 47 would be like minus 2 votes from that. Um but yeah, Marvel Spider-Man 2 won it there for the game that left you speechless, closely followed by Final Fantasy, and then tied for third place was um, Hi-Fi Rush and the Talos Principle 2. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Marvel Spider-Man definitely has a lot of moments that make you stand still and go, "Whoa!" Right? There's there's some there's some good stuff in there. Final Fantasy 16 obviously has a lot of those moments too, like especially when you transform into Ifrit. And you you do like these kaiju battles that that shit always makes my jaw drop to the floor, right? Um, as for the other games, um, you know, uh, Talos Principle just has a lot of really cool moments in it, like the moment when you're coming out of the uh, the um, the monorail and there's a bunch of like, statues around, just pretty cool looking. Uh, same thing with like Hi-Fi Rush. There's a lot of like cool moments in there. And um, RoboCop, I don't, I don't know if I would say that I would. I thought it was like, I was left speechless. I guess I was kind of left speechless at one point because the game was so poorly optimized and all of the lighting effects were like uh, jittering or or blinking really fast, like a strobe light. Um, I guess that kind of made me speechless. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations, Spider-Man Two. Definitely not Spider-Man Poo. Eh? Eh? Alright, let's move on to the next one, which is... Here are the nominees for Best Gameplay. Hi-Fi Rush. Baldur's Gate 3. Dead Island 2. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Dead Space. All right, and the winner is for best gameplay. It was a close one, but uh, Baldur's Gate 3 ended up taking the cake here. This one was a bit more uh, of a close matchup, a bit, a bit of a more of a close matchup here. Um, between the rest of them, but uh, yeah, Baldur's Gate ended up taking the cake here. Uh, really closely followed by Spider-Man 2 and Dead Space right below that with Hi-Fi Rush and Dead Island um, getting little slivers of the pumpkin pie. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I like to see splits like this because it really means like there was a good mix of people wanting different games which could have meant that there could have been a bit of an upset i do feel like Baldur's a3 was the strongest option next to spider-man here that if anything was going to take down spider-man it was probably going to be Baldur's gate 3 um but yeah i i just want to clarify 
unlike best combat, which is like the physical act of fighting, you know, like you know your armored core and stuff like that, where you're actually shooting things. Gameplay is just like an over encompassing, like you know, traversal, platforming, gunfights, you know, what that kind of stuff. Um, and the overall gameplay experience, I will say. Um, and yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 definitely gives you a nice gameplay experience. It controls pretty nicely. I think it, it, it does lay itself out pretty well where it's like, even if you're new to playing these kind of games, like, yeah, you can, um, you can get into a groove and, and, and mess around with it. So, um, yeah, congratulations to the, uh, Baldur's Gate 3. The only thing I'll say about, about Spider-Man, I, I do like the gameplay, but goddamn, do I miss those gadgets. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you can just shoot out an impact web and win. I understand. But using all those different gadgets was just so much fun in the first game. And I, I think I think Miles Morales did a pretty good job of like circumventing the gadgets for the Venom abilities. But uh, yeah, the, that's the one thing I really do miss from Marvel Spider-Man 2 is just the multiple gadgets. Not just the four base ones, which I hardly ever used in my playthrough, but... Uh, there you go. That is best gameplay. Next up, we got Boom. Hello there. This is General Obi Wan Kenobi. I like to outsmart my opponents in a battlefield, or discover an ancient temple, or assif via clues. I'm here to present best strategy puzzle game and which denominies are Cuckoo Ultimate Admiral Dreadnoughts Pikmin 4 Humanity The Towers Principle 2 Thank you, Kenobi, for doing that segment. And the winner is... Pikmin 4, baby! By a fucking landslide! Let's fucking go! <laughs> oh, my God. Pikmin 4, baby! <laughs> now that's a landslide, baby. Woo, yes. The Game Awards and now the Ferret Awards is official. Pikmin 4 is the best strategy game of the year. Hands down. 78. 70% on the mark there uh, with Cocoon following in second place, 17.6%. And trailing in both third places is the Talos Principle 2 and Ultimate Admiral Dreadnoughts. Uh, yeah, I think that Pikmin deserves this award so much because it got everyone who owns a Switch to play Pikmin. Uh, maybe not everyone, obviously, but most people who own a Switch played Pikmin. It's the best-selling Pikmin. They re they reinvented the wheel. I know a lot of people weren't too jazzed about Pikmin 2's play style, and then they kind of went back to a Pik you know with Pikmin 3. I think they went back to like a more of a Pikmin 1 style. Um, but Pikmin 4 is a very good combination of those early games. Also, added in some new elements from. Uh, for the series, including Ochi. I mean, who the fuck doesn't like Ochi? Like, that is such a goaded fucking addition to your game here. Um, so, yeah, Pikmin 4, totally deserved. I mean, the other nominations 
weren't going to stand a chance. I mean, I love humanity, and I really do love Talos Principle, but uh, fucking Pikmin 4 is, like, here, and it's here to stay, and it's punching you all in the face. Um, oh, yeah, let me just... Uh... Pikmin 4, baby! Pikmin 4, baby! Let's go. Let's fucking go. I totally did not steal that from Game GameStop. All right, next up, we have... Here are your nominees for Best Audio Design. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Dead Space. Final Fantasy 16. Meet Your Maker. Cocoon. Okay, and the winner is for Best Audio Design Dead Space Remake. Dead Space Remake got the win there, got the dub there. Um. I yeah definitely deserves the win here. The uh, Game Awards got this one wrong. Okay, <laughs> Dead Space should have won Best Audio Design at the Game Awards, but here we are correcting the record, correcting the fucking record here. Um, followed up closely by a tie for second place between Final Fantasy and The Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Both of them have fairly good audio design. Um, you know, I I think that Legend of Zelda. They got like those horse hoof noises. They got lots of different enemy noises. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 kind of kind of the same thing. Lots of different sound effects for different various enemies and various different terrain that you're walking on and and stuff like that. Also, big powerful attacks have crazy bass boom on them, which is amazing. Uh, Cocoon also surprisingly very good audio design for that game. Uh, I don't know if someone just put that on there because they didn't know what else to put, but Cocoon actually has very good. Uh, audio design in there if you haven't played that yet like really cool like digitalized kind of sound effects for different character noises and stuff like that very cool and uh, Meet Your Maker honestly too has pretty good um, audio design this is a pretty this is a pretty stacked um, stacked category but yeah I mean Dead Space remake just takes the cake for this one it's uh it, it's it's very <clears throat> you know it's very crazy um, just really well done really really well done audio design there uh, and, uh, you know, the, from the crunch of your boots stomping on necromorphs to, you know, uh, different various just different ambient noises around there just kind of keep you on the edge of your seat, you know. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Um, Dead Space takes the cake there. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. Uh, we got two categories here that are kind of similar. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the sounds of these next two categories. Hello, I'm Ray. You may also know me from this season of the Film Freaks podcast as Ray of Positivity, and I'm here to present Best Soundtrack, and the nominees are Hi-Fi Rush, Final Fantasy XVI, Goodbye, Volcano High. 
The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. In Baldur's Gate 3. Okay, and the winner is Final Fantasy 16 with the with the win here. This was another close bout, uh, but Final Fantasy 16 ends up getting the win for obvious reasons. A highly um, highly orchestrated soundtrack, lots of bombastic like lots of bombastic stuff here and there. Um, Personal pick of mine was Goodbye Volcano High. It, it has like a whole album uh, of songs made for it uh, that I enjoyed a lot. Um, and also, of course, I mean, Legend of Zelda has great music. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush obviously has a lot of great music in there from various composers like the um, um, that that one band uh, with the two brothers. Doesn't matter. Uh, Nine Inch Nails is also on on the on the set list as well. A track list, I apologize, pretty well, which is pretty cool. And uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I, I, <laughs> I'm I, sure it has great music. I just haven't gotten around to listening to it yet. But, yeah, that that's it. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Final Fantasy 16, a shoe in the win. Uh, but it was close. It was it was fairly close uh, between that and uh, Hi-Fi Rush. So, congratulations, Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, take another dub. Let's move on to the last category dealing with sound, and that is... Hello there. I'm Squidaddy, Yemi the Ferret's favorite toxic chatter, and I'm here to present the best single song from a video game soundtrack award. And the nominees are... The Beacon from Hi-Fi Rush. Find the Flame from Final Fantasy 16. Storm Calls for You from Sea of Stars. Feel from Lies of Pete. Cause I just don't feel like I'm here. And Herald of Darkness from Alan Wake 2. Okay, and the winner is on the close margin here Herald of Darkness takes the win here. Um. <laughs> Obviously, one of the um, standout levels of the year uh, in any video game, uh, but also a standout song for this year in general. Uh, it's a, um, it's just a very fun, like kind of like '80s metal kind of sound and song. It's it's a very fun sequence, and that all you know, obviously, all that together props it up as being uh, one of the best songs for this year. Uh, personal favorite of mine this year was Feel from the Lies of Peace soundtrack. Definitely enjoyed that one a lot. 
And we, I mean, we have a pretty nice spread here. I mean, there's a there's a three way tie between second place, uh, between uh, find the flame, the storm calls for you and the beacon. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty nice spread here. You know, pretty nice pizza pie. Uh, but yeah, Herald of Darkness. Uh, I kind of saw that winning from from the start. But yeah, all, all these songs are good. And there's also other songs that I wish could have made it on here. But we only got five categories, and you gotta you gotta pick and choose sometimes. But um, congratulations, Herald of Darkness. Definitely deserved. Let's move on. Oh, also, thank you to Ray for doing the best soundtrack. I forgot to say that. And also, thank you to Squid Daddy for doing best song. Um, Thank you so much. Love that. Okay, let's let's move on to something completely different. Here are the nominees for Best Platformer. Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Pizza Tower. Disney Illusion Island. Sonic Superstars Planet of Lana Okay, this one is pretty crazy, folks. Um, I was expecting it to be this close between the two top ones, but the winner is Super Mario Brothers Wonder by only one vote. Bring in, bring in, bringing it in, bringing it around town here. Um, Pizza Tower put up quite the fight, uh, but Super Mario Bros. Wonder ended up taking the cake with Disney Illusion Island only having one vote in there as well for third place. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I can't, I can't say I totally 100% agree with this, but I, I, I mean, Super Mario Bros. Wonder is a great game. It really is. Pizza Tower is, is also very good as well. Um, we actually brought in the developers for the game to give a speech if they won, but now they're being escorted off the premises. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean... Yeah, you know, uh, the Pizza Tower is a great game, and Super Mario Bros. Wonder are both—they're both great games. It was a very tight, close race, uh, but in the end, Mario Bros. Wonder prevailed. Uh, that was a little joke because uh, the Game Awards brought the Pizza Tower developers there, and they didn't win. And who did win? They—a publisher took the award instead of the developers. Um. All right, yeah the one the one vote for Disney Illusion Island is, is Steamboat Willie. There you go. All right, let's move on to the next category, which is something completely different. Here are your nominees for Best Shooter: Starfield, Meet Your Maker, RoboCop: Rogue City. Resident Evil 4 Remnant 2 Okay, the winner is by a landslide. Resident Evil 4 Remake. Resident Evil 4 Remake took the entire pie, except for a few pieces here or there. Um, 
hard to disagree with this one. I think the combat in Resident Evil 4 is very well done. Um, in terms of shooting mechanics, it definitely has a lot of weight to it. Um, I probably would have voted for uh, like Dead Space if it was on here, but you know, this is this is fan nominated, and Resident Evil 4 was on there, and I said, you know what, Resident Evil 4 is right up there. Might as well give it to them. Um, and uh, in terms of like other shooters on this list, I think RoboCop is a strong tie for second place next to Starfield. Uh, RoboCop definitely felt good in the shooting category, uh, maybe held back by some of its technical issues, but um, there you go. And Starfield, there's been a lot of hate towards Starfield, but I will say that um, minus gun variety, at least the shooting and flying around was sort of fun, you know, here and there. Um, and then uh, Meet Your Maker, it you know it 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 is a shooter. You you do shoot things, um, but it didn't have like the wide reach that other ones did. And then um, Remnant Two, uh, I threw that on there because it was the only other shooter that I could think of that wasn't already nominated for a different category. Uh, so I uh, I put it on there just to see how it went, and no one voted for it. So oops, oh well. Um, but uh, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> the best part of Starfield was the shooting. I I I would agree. I would I would agree with that. Um, which isn't saying much, but yeah, you know, it, it, it's fine. It's fine. But yeah, Resident Evil 4 is the true winner here. Um, they uh, they definitely did a great job with that. Combining like that new parry system in there, like that made the uh, fight with um, Krauger. Is that his name? The guy, who, the guy with the beret. I forget his name right now. It's been a while since I played the game. Um, it uh, it really elevated and changed that whole fight with him. All three fights with him. Krauser, that's it. Krauser, not Krauger. I'm going too German. Krauser. Um, it really elevated that fight. Really changed up that fight because instead of being like gun heavy, I was very much defensive heavy with the parry moves and then kicking him in the face. And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty pretty cool. Kroger's a supermarket. Yeah, damn you you right. All right, let's move on to the next category, which was actually the last one that I got done because the person who did it uh, turned it in Friday. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, Thursday night. Hello, my name is Odom K. I am a freelance artist, and I like to stream games and art uh, on Twitch. And I'm here to present the nominees for Best Remaster or Remake. Um, here in no particular order, we have Dead Space, Resident Evil 4, Metroid Prime Remastered, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. and System Shock. All right, and the winner is Dead Space Remake. Dead Space Remake jumping up on top of the other two games and just stomping, <laughs> stomping them. Uh, yeah, Dead Space Remake, I had the opinion that it was better than Resident Evil 4 Remake. And I guess a lot of other people did as well because Dead Space Remake ended up coming out on top. Um, 
Resident Evil 4, great game. <laughs> great game, okay? Great game, uh, but just not as good as Dead Space, in my opinion. Um, also on the list here uh, with uh, a tie is Metroid Prime Remaster, which I will say, very good. One of the only games from 2023 that I streamed. Uh, I try not, I tend not to stream brand new games, but I felt like, yeah, Metroid Prime Remaster. It's, it's technically not a new game. And then with one vote, we got Advanced Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp, or 1 and 2 Reboot Camp. Um, and then with no votes was the System Shock remake, which was a surprising surprisingly really good remake um the only problem is they, they didn't add any uh quality of life stuff to it so you can kind of soft lock yourself out of stuff still <laughs> um but uh yeah there you go um but yeah D dead space i mean i've already talked about it a little bit but it's definitely it's definitely was my favorite remake of the year or remaster uh, i combined the two categories and um even though resident Evil 4 is very good there's some things that I was kind of wishing that they had added to it to make it a little, maybe a little bit longer or, or, or something like that. But uh, all in all, it is still a great time. They definitely fixed a lot of problems I have with the original Resident Evil 4 game. Um, like all the, all the fucking like quick time events and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, the, the fans have spoken and Dead Space gets the win there. So. Yeah, there we go. All right. We're moving on. We're getting through these a little bit faster than I thought. Uh, next up is a, another pretty popular category. Let's see what it is. Hi, this is the Well-Read Mage, author, streamer, and founder and producer of the Pixels.com and MageCast podcast. I'm delighted to present Best RPG or JRPG. And the nominees are... Baldur's Gate 3. Final Fantasy 16. Lies of P. Octopath Traveler 2. And Sea of Stars. All right, thank you to Red for the for for doing the nomination there. But the winner by a landslide is Baldur's Gate Three. Um, I think I might have um, talked up Baldur's Gate a bit too much during the Game Awards, um, <laughs> which I think swayed some people who maybe didn't play any or any of these games. Um, because I said that Baldur's Gate 3 was the RPG, like, if you vote for anything else, like, how is something else better than the, like, the RPG, right? <laughs> um, and I do still stand by that. I think Baldur's Gate 3, in terms of, like, RPGs and JRPGs, I, I mean, you can't go wrong with something that is so in-depth, so akin to the roots of RPGs, um... So, isn't that the Naked Jakey game? Oh, the Naked game. Yeah, there, there's some naked characters in there. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, uh, yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 takes the win here above Final Fantasy 16 and Lies of P in third place, with Sea of Stars being in last place there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, Baldur's Gate 3 definitely deserves this. Um, 
even though right now I'm having a better time with Final Fantasy 16. Um, Baldur's Gate 3 definitely deserves it, though. Uh, and, I mean, I, obviously I voted for Liza P on here because at the time that was the one that I had played. And I would still probably vote for Liza P, honestly, uh, in terms of RPGs. I think next year I might, uh, if there's enough, I might just do a separate category for best Souls-like game. <laughs> um, because it's, it does, it does kind of seem rude to lump them in with the uh, with the RPG lot. I, f- I feel like um, maybe next year we'll do that. But in the end, Baldur's Gate 3 takes the win. And thank you again to Red, the well-read mage, for doing that category for me. All right. Let's move on to the next category, which is... Hello. Kallus here. I am a lifelong gamer, streamer, and self-proclaimed blue legend. But most importantly, Yemi's friend. I am here to present Best Action Adventure. And the nominees are... The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Alan Wake 2. Diablo 4. Dead Island 2. And the winner is another close margin here, but the winner is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, closely followed by uh, Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2. I accidentally, I guess, hovered my mouse over the uh, the screenshots, so I apologize about that. But uh, Tears of the Kingdom did end up winning action adventure here. Um, closely in second was Alan Wake, followed by in third place. Uh, Spider-Man 2, and then there was a tie for last place between Diablo and Dead Island. Um, so there you go. Uh, I mean, obviously, Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's a great action adventure game. <laughs> um, what can you say? Uh, I think all these games are pretty strong, though. Maybe minus Diablo, honestly. <laughs> um, but once again, poor old Dead Island being put up against the monsters of the category. <laughs> I think that, uh, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, congratulations, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, thank you to Callus for doing the reading there, but also thank you to Callus for talking about Tears of the Kingdom on the uh, podcast twice now. He's done two segments for me since I didn't play the game. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there you go. Um, Tears of the Kingdom wins uh, best action adventure game. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is. Hello, I am Lucifer Party, aka Coco Control. A little bit about me: I love action adventure games, and I love messing with Yemi. So my category is best visuals. So let's dive deep into these visuals, shall we? Starting with Lies of P, Final Fantasy 16, Dead Island 2, Alan Wake 2, and The Towers Principle 2. 
This one's a bit of a surprise. It's Lies of P taking it for best visuals and graphics. Oh my god, I tell you what, folks. What a close battle this one was. Also, thank you to Coco, a.k.a. Lucifer Party, for... Or Demonic Lucy? <laughs> I don't know what she goes by nowadays. But, um, yeah, thank thank you again for doing that one. Um, Liza P take it, taking an unexpected win here. And I gotta say, I totally agree. Liza P definitely had a very great uh, visual style to a very, very nice graphics. <clears throat> um... Final Fantasy 16 and Alan Wake 2 tied at the end of the day for best visuals, best graphics there. And um, yeah, I mean this is this is a bit of an upset win. I think that uh, I think that people were expecting Final Fantasy 16 to win this one, and and I do agree it is a very nice looking game. But uh, when you go through the environments of Liza P, you'll understand. You'll understand why Liza P definitely d deserves this one. Also, like, all the different special effects as well. It's not as muddled as um, Final Fantasy Sixteen makes the screen sometimes. That's just my opinion. Um, Dead Island 2, yep, once again, up against the some, some great competition. Um, I think the one thing that Dead Island 2 strived with was the graphics because it does... I mean, it's a very good-looking game. The gore system alone probably could have won an award. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, Alan Wake 2 does a really, a really good job. Uh, lots of FMV segments where you have, like, live-action people standing around and talking and stuff like that, um, which is pretty cool. Um, I actually was having some problems with uh, the graphics. I think I was I was playing on performance mode, but stuff didn't really look that great in sometimes, sometimes, um, which is why I didn't put a vote for Alan Wake 2. And the Talos Principle, um, I put that one in here myself because in terms of graphics, like... Damn, it's 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 got some good graphics. Got some good graphics. But congratulations to Liza P. It pretty much our sole um our sole uh um unexpected win so far. Let's see if there's another unexpected win in the next category. And thank you once again to Coco for doing that category for us. Anyway, next up, here we go. Hello, I am Player2 and I am a Welsh, once upon a time streamer that gets scared by pretty much everything and has a laugh akin to a chipmunk, but most importantly, I am a member of the Ferret Nation and today I am here to present the category of best performance by an actor or actress and the nominees are... Ben Starr as Clive from Final Fantasy XVI He's so hot. <laughs> Yuri Lowenthal is Peter Parker from Marvel Spider-Man 2. Showing up to work and getting to be Spider-Man. Cameron Monaghan as Cal Kestis from Star Wars Jedi Survivor. For a Jedi uh, has never been worse than what it is for Cal. Naji Jita as Miles Morales from Marvel Spider-Man 2. Cap stage, I'm giving my all. Or whether it's in the booth, I'm actually swinging. And Robbie Draymond as Chai from Hi-Fi Rush. And right. the winner is... Oh. I forgot Pete who did that. Uh, and the winner is Cameron Monaghan, who plays Cal Kestis from Star Wars Jedi Survivor. <clears throat> 
pretty a pretty interesting one there. A pretty pretty well deserved, I would say. I know a lot of people love Ben Starr. He's so hot. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Cameron ended up winning the the category here. Um, and thank you again to P two player two P two for for um, doing the uh, <laughs> doing the nominations for that one. Uh, I specifically chose this one for him because he's really good at pronouncing odd names because he's Welsh and he speaks Welsh. <laughs> yeah, of course he's going to be able to pronounce the harder to pronounce names. Uh, but anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, so Cameron Monaghan, uh, landslide victory on this one. Um, you know, uh, 47% here. Uh, the second highest with a tie was Yuri Lowenthal and Ben Starr. And then coming in in third place is Nadi Jeter, followed by uh, Hi-Fi Rush, um, Chai. And uh, unfortunately, there was no interviews with the guy behind Chai, so I wasn't able to get a actual, like, interview clip from for him for some reason he didn't do any interviews for it but uh yeah uh Cameron Monaghan I mean yeah it's a great performance in the first game he did a stellar performance and in this game he does a great performance I think that uh he's definitely one of those great actors who is maybe a bit underappreciated still at this time like he did one of the best versions of Joker in one of the worst tv shows for DC ever uh, he's done, he did a great job in, uh, that TV show he was a part of shameless. And, uh, he also did, a, does a great job as, as, uh, Cal. So, um, de definitely a well-deserved win, but is this one an upset? Maybe it was, I don't know. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. That is, that is. Hello, I am 920, and I am your friendly neighborhood stoner. I'm here to present the reward for best narrative. And the nominees are... Alan Wake 2. Baldur's Gate 3. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Lies of P. All right, and the winner is Alan Wake 2, another landslide victory and a first victory for Alan Wake 2 today. Thank you to 92 Oso for doing the nominations for that one. Um, very, He was actually the first person to give me their nominations, so there you go. Uh, also on the list here, I mean, a, a very good, uh, very, very strong category uh, with uh, Baldur's Gate coming in at second place with 29% of the votes. Liza P coming in at, num at third place, and then before that was Marvel Spider-Man 2, and with no votes was Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Um... Alan Wake 2, I mean, what can you say? It's a, it's a story about a guy writing a story, but they do a dual protagonist, which really was elevating to the Alan Wake series. Uh, even though a lot of people, I mean, myself included, really enjoyed the first game's narrative and having Alan Wake being that, that um, vehicle for the story. Alan Wake 2, with the dual protagonist, 
adds more stakes on top of each other, adds more character, you know, stuff like that, and um, very well deserved for best narrative on that one. Um, Baldur's Gate, uh, you know, I haven't gotten through it enough, but hey, it's it's pretty good, you know, I guess. Uh, and then Liza P, surprisingly, um, the one thing I really love about Liza P is the fact that the story is very forward-facing for a Souls game. And uh, not many Souls game will do, Souls games will do that. I mean, you know, you got the Neo series and stuff like that, but uh, Liza P was very forward facing with the story. Um, lots of lots of cool stuff in there. So, yeah, it was very yes, it was very complex, and they certainly nailed it. All right, we got three more left. Next up is here are your nominees for. Best Indie Game Pizza Tower Cocoon Sea of Stars Chance of Sonar Lethal Company All right, and the winner is Lethal Company uh, with an astounding 47.1%, followed by Pizza Tower and Sea of Stars. Um, yeah, you know, uh, this, this one, this one is, is very shocking. I'm even wearing my Pizza Tower shirt today. Um, and uh, we actually brought back the Pizza Tower developers indie team. Uh, we'll just lead them out again. Um, no need for them to come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, uh, this one's very surprising me to to me. Um, I know Lethal Company is very big right now. It could possibly be recency bias for this one taking over Pizza Tower um, because I do believe that Pizza Tower, in terms of indie development studios and indie games, is definitely probably the best indie game this year. Um, but, uh, Lethal Company, I mean, you got the dub, and what else, what else could you ask for? How's it going today, Hollow? Um, but yeah, I, I personally, I, I think that, I, I definitely think that Pizza Tower probably should have won this one. Um, if, 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 you know, if not the platformer one, then it definitely should have won this one. But I understand Lethal Company, it's huge right now. There's... There's so many fans of it coming out of the woodwork uh, who who are discovering the game, and um, you know I under, I understand uh, I understand why it won, but once again I will reiterate, I think this one's recency bias. If we look at Lethal Company against the rest of these games in a vacuum five years from now, I don't know if people would vote for Lethal Company still. But that being said, congratulations to Lethal Company. There you go. Two more categories, and this one's a doozy. Let's go. Here are your nominees for Worst Game of the Year. The Lord of the Rings, Gollum. Skull Island, Rise of Kong. The Walking Dead, Destinies. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 
Redfall. Okay, and the winner is the Lord of the Rings Gollum. The Lord of the Rings Gollum takes the cake here with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 being in second place and Skull Island Rise of Kong in third. Um, I think the main reason why Gollum won this one, whereas other games probably deserved it more because they were more broken, they were more disgusting cash grabs, asset flips... I think the reason that Gollum won was because it's a Lord of the Rings game and people really love Lord of the Rings, myself included. That's why I still bought Gollum knowing that it was probably going to be shit, <laughs> okay? Um, so even though, like, who knew what Gollum was actually going to be, what they what they had talked about was actually surprisingly good like the whole like thing about like choosing dialogue options and they were spinning around in your head and it was hard to kind of pick out which one you wanted that would have been cool but instead we got fucking times new rome or aerial font with static images of what to choose and it's like what are we doing and then the stealth was broken the gameplay was mundane the story was boring it started to look a little bit better in the second half because there was more colors but in the end i do agree that it it is probably the worst game that came out this year in terms of like how many people bought it in terms of how big the franchise is. I think Lord of the Rings being a Lord of the Rings game and being from a developer who is known for their great story, rich games. Uh, it was definitely probably the biggest letdown of the year. And then after that, I mean, Kong skull Island, I mean, who was really excited for that and who really thought that that was going to be good. Uh, the walking dead destinies is I'm waiting for a sale for, um, for like five bucks for that game to play through it because as a person who watched the first three, six, three seasons and only four seasons of The Walking Dead, um, it definitely is intriguing, I guess. Um, and then Call of Duty, this is, I mean, <laughs> having this be on here is a bit awkward, I will admit, because it doesn't run bad, it doesn't look bad, it doesn't sound bad, it doesn't play bad. Um, but it was just, it was just, it was just like one of those games. It's like, yeah, it kind of deserves to be on here because it really is just that seventy dollar DLC bullshit. And it was definitely a cash grab by the Activision CEO to get some more money before he was kicked out. And I stand by that theory, and it is only a theory, but I stand by that theory that I presented in Fair sixty four that he pushed the game outwards to get a last paycheck before he leaves. <clears throat> Uh, and then also on here was Redfall, one of the most disappointing games to come out this year, I would say, because it's from a well-established studio who does really good stealth action games with, like, Dishonored and stuff like that, Deathloop. And uh, Redfall was just a broken, bug buggy, unpolished mess. Barely ran at 30 frames a second. I'm sorry, 20 frames a second on the Series S. Just a very, very annoying thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I, I talked about that on the podcast too, where Christopher Judge said that you know his speech was longer than the game, and there was a bunch of people like going like and 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 like shut up, shut up. Okay, folks, <clears throat> it's the last category, the game of the year. We have five games here suitable for winning game of the year. I want everyone I'll go over the I'll go over them real quick so you don't have to like quickly scramble to write them but I want everyone to ooh, 
Could you see that? <laughs> I don't think you could see that. <clears throat> um, I want everyone to write down what they what they think won. What they think won. We have Legends of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and Alan Wake 2. Write in the chat right now what you think it's going to be. And whoever guesses correctly will get 50,000 ferret poops. Let's go. Here are your nominees for Game of the Year. The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Baldur's Gate 3. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Alan Wake 2. And the game of the year is, by the closest margin we've had yet, Marvel's Spider-Man 2 takes it just barely by one vote over Baldur's Gate 3, uh, followed by a tie for third place between um, The Legend of Zelda and Alan Wake 2. Uh, that's, uh, that was not expected. I will say that it was not expected, but the, but the Marvel Spider-Man gang came out in full force and they said, we're voting for this one five times instead of four or three times. Um, Baldur's Gate, sorry, (laughs) this is all fan voted. If you don't agree with something that happened today, next year, join in on the nominations, join in on the voting, get your friends to join on the voting. I don't care. We had 17 votes this year, or 17 people voting this year, which is a pretty good amount, better than last year, but still not enough people. We need more people for this, baby. Um, but, uh, yeah, Marvel Spider-Man 2 takes the win here. Personally, I don't agree with the pick, but I, I, I accept the rules of democracy, and uh, here we are. Here we are uh, with Marvel Spider-Man 2 taking the win here. I mean, it's a great game. Don't get me wrong. It has a, has a nice storyline. Uh, has uh, some very good graphics. Has a great soundtrack. Has some really good moments in it. Uh, the one thing that I really was disappointed with Marvel Spider-Man 2, which I talked about in my review, is the boss fights are just so bland. There's like three health bars for these bosses, and nothing changes between the three health bars it's unfortunate. If there was better boss fights in there, I probably would have the game higher on my top ten list. But, um, yeah, that's the thing, though. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I felt like, probably would have won any other day. But uh, Spider-Man takes the cake here with Alan Wake and um, Jedi. I'm sorry, Zelda being... A little bit lower. Now, at the beginning of the year, everyone thought it was going to be Tears of the Kingdom, right? And then Baldur's Gate came along, and that totally blew those predictions out of the water. Um, and uh, Star Wars Survivor, unfortunately, did not get any votes. Um, but I also don't believe it deserves any uh, with the state that it launched in. Um, it was just uh, one of those things that, uh, that I would say um, was a big deterrent for me personally. Like, 
when I played the game, I know they fixed it now, but when I played the game, I mean, I couldn't get 10 frames a second in, in the open world area that you on that planet that you go to. Uh, the pop-in was egregious. Uh, the graphics were all clay-like until they fully loaded in. Like there, I had rendering issues. Uh, I had glitches and crashes, and it just like the game's great, but fuck me, just give that another month or so to cook. Like you don't have to push it out. Oh my goodness. Um, but uh, yeah, congratulations to uh, Marvel Spider-Man. Um, Final Fantasy 16 should have had a nomination in the Game Awards. Um, yeah, probably probably should have, really. Uh, but uh, they they put Mario Wonder on there, which is, which yeah, that is kind of weird. I mean, I know it's a great game. Like I've, I, try, I, you know, it's a great game. But um, putting Mario Bros. Wonder up against those other giant games is it's kind of uh, kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, if there's if there if there's a game on here that you thought should have been game of the year, uh, there was a nomination form available for almost a month. <laughs> um, honestly, the amount of times I was supposed to jump down and land on a platform, but would then take fall damage and be reset was infuriating. I don't know if that happened to me a lot, but I it probably did, and I just forget. <laughs> it probably didn't. I just forget. All right, um, that is our list uh, here, folks. Um, yeah, there we go. And that's the game. That's the that's the Ferret Awards. That's the third annual Ferret Awards. Thank you again to everyone who who voted. Thank you to everyone who nominated. Thank you to everyone who uh, gave me their nomination uh, audio for the for the awards show um this was definitely this was definitely the most work that i've put into this so far uh getting you know getting people to give me their stuff on time putting the videos together making sure that it all works on obs making sure that oh, thank you for the 100 bits crazy info mouse <laughs> Um, you know, getting getting all the stuff together, making sure that everything sounded right, and every, making sure everything was loud enough. Because last year, not everything was loud enough. Uh, putting in—I mean, it was hours of work, folks. For the past three days, I've been working at least three or four hours each night to get it all working and put it put it all together. Um, and I do appreciate everyone who who came around for the show. It, it it's a it's it's one of my favorite things to do next to my top ten list which comes out next week, if you want to tune in for that. The top ten list comes out next week, and we'll be live reacting to that. If you're not a part of the competition in the Discord for my top ten or game of the year, uh, make sure you do that. Uh, all the information is in there in the, pin, the pinned message. <clears throat> Thank you so much. That's a good beat. Thank you so much for the for the sub. Kane, appreciate that. A controversial ending, but a great award show celebrating a great year for releases. Yeah, the one thing that I try to do that the Game Awards doesn't. <clears throat> oh, we have some discourse. Thank you for the bits, Callus. Appreciate that as well. Um, 
But the one thing that I try to do that the Game Wars doesn't do is to really mix in as many different games as I can while still being true to the nominations that people send in. I, I know... Hey. <laughs> Thank you for the sub hollow. Guess it's time to pop this. <laughs> Thank you so much for the sub. Appreciate that. Good beat. I'll be, I, I always try to mix in as many different games as I can, even though there are games that are on there a lot, like Final Fantasy and stuff. <laughs> I try and mix in as many different ones as I can. <laughs> Rough start. Uh, thank you for the 100 bits. Greedy, thank you so much. I mean, yeah, the start of this year was a little bit slow at times, but um, yeah, I think that I think that the, the the year in gaming was pretty good. It was it was pretty good. We, I, I I think at the same time it was also a very um, weird time for gaming because unlike Jeff Cayley, I'm going to talk about it right now that the state of the video game development community is in a bad place a lot of studios are being shut down a lot of people are losing their jobs thousands of people being laid off by these big corporations who are buying up ips but then don't have enough money to support their workforce to work on these games um you know the the push to get games out early or or, or bef are on time it's just it's it's crazy and, and and then you get games like jedi survivor which would have been a hundred percent would have been like a, a contender for game of the year in my eyes if not for the state that it launched in. And you give that game another month, but instead they pushed, EA pushed it out, Respawn pushed it out, and they had to fix it. And, and in the end, it, that really did hurt its standings. Um, and, and you look at many other games that came out this year, like Gollum and Kong and, and Walking Dead and all these little like cash grab games using big IPs and obviously worked on for maybe like uh, not even a year, you know, it's just crazy. Then Modern Warfare Three comes around, and it's just a, it's just, it's just the biggest pile of dookie I've ever seen in the Call of Duty franchise, and that's saying a lot because there's been some, <coughs> some stinkers in that, in that category. Um, it's just crazy to me. It's crazy to me that like even though we had this really amazing year with all these great games, one after another. Um, one after another, even great DLCs as well, like Phantom Liberty. Thank you for the resub, Maz. Appreciate that very, very much. You know, and, and, and you know, we had these great games. You know, all the game of the year contenders, minus Jedi Survivor, definitely deserving of that. We have these multi-million dollar projects. You know, it's just it's just one of those things. It's like why why like why is the gaming industry one making so much money but then also like we're not like there's like we're not paying our devs enough we're not giving them enough time to work on things we're laying people out we're closing studios like free radical which we're working on on games that <laughs> i really wanted <laughs> you know <laughs> so but that but but nomad that's the thing spider-man 2 didn't come out in a state of disarray. I mean, I think the game crashed 
once or twice on me throughout my playthrough. Like the 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 problem is that when you push out a game that's unfinished, I don't care. I don't I don't I don't care about the budget for a game. Maybe gaming budgets are too large at this point because it's 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 turning up the dial for how much they're costing, which is in turn, you know, turning up the the uh, the um, the the consequences if if a game doesn't do good. Uh, but the problem really is that one, these studios they're laying off their workforces, they're laying off all these people, and then on top of that, uh, this the they are releasing games and they're crunching their developers and. Yeah, I mean, essentially, in the in the end, the way that to solve this is for the the development community to go on strike. Um, but at this point, what can you do? Thank you for the sub, the gifted sub to Marie, and also thank you for the one, two, three, four, five hundred bits. Maz, really do appreciate that. Holy smokes! Um, so, how expensive was Survivor? Survivor was a seventy dollar game the $70 game at launch. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I just, I, I think that also a lot of like freelance developers were also laid off this year, which is like, Hey, I get it. You're kind of like trimming the fat. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't want to hire them on fully. You know, you got, you gotta, you gotta take them out of, of the, of your budget. But, um, I mean, freelance developers and companies certainly deserve just as much, as regular developers you know they do they do probably the same amount of work and all that so that's all i wanted to say if jeff cayley won't say it i will say it uh at my awards show because um it's definitely a problem and i i don't i can't tell you how many news articles i went over this year talking about studios closing and people being laid off there was huge layoffs at bungie free radical shut down plenty of developers but development studios shut down you know dedelec entertainment uh, they don't. They won't be developing games anymore. They're just publishing games at this point. So they they laid off a bunch of people there. Um, even like bigger studios like EA, like Sony, like Microsoft, they're they're getting rid of people all the time um, for no good reason really. And and uh, one of the more recent ones that I talked about, I forget exactly who it was. Um, they closed down the studio. They laid off a bunch of people, and then they didn't even give them like their full package. Like they laid them off like a year or so before they would get like their full um, like benefits for working at the company, and that's also super scummy as well. So there you go. All right, folks, <clears throat> let's move on to the next part of this show, which is the live podcast. The live podcast here. We got a slew of things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, what have I been playing uh, this past week. All right, so for games that I've been playing this past week, let me, let me pull up some visuals for you guys. Let me pull up some visuals for you guys, just so you're not staring at the logo. Who did that? <laughs> Thank you for the one bit. Thank you for the one bit. Thank you so much. Thank you for the hype train as well. really do appreciate that. Um, I just want gameplay. <clears throat> So, I finished some games this week that I've been working on for quite some time. <laughs> We're still going. Hold on. 
I've been talking a lot, so my voice is already <clears throat> already worn out. Thank you for the gift of something crazy infamous. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. We um really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for for doing that, folks. All the bits and the gifted subs and the res and the subs. Appreciate that a lot. Let's talk about Armored Core 6. Uh, I recently finished this after taking a much-needed break. Um, I actually tried to re-get back into it a couple months ago, um, but didn't have any luck. So I said I'm going to take another break, um, which I thought was going to be indefinite at the time of recording last week's episode. But this past week, I went back to it, and I said, you know what, I'm going to take my own fucking advice... And I'm going to just change my mech around so drastically that I I will be able to get past the boss fight that I was working on. And um, the only problem, like the only reason why I wasn't changing around my mech as much as I wanted to was because you had to restart the entire like 15, 20 minute level um, to uh, to actually buy new parts and try things out because I, I didn't have a lot of parts on me at the time. So I went back, I bought a ton of different parts that I thought would maybe help. I sold some stuff that wasn't helping at all. And in the end, it took me a couple tries still. It took me like five to ten tries still. But I got past that fucking boss. I got past the boss, and I said, okay, this is a good sign. We're making pr we made progress, and now let's see where this goes. I was on Chapter 4 at that time. Uh, chapter 4 out of 5, or maybe it was 3 out of 5. I think it was three out of five. Um, and so uh, from then on, I kept all the parts that I had bought so I could keep really customizing my mech and continuing on with my work. <laughs> and I essentially s uh, smashed through the game in about two to three days. Um, that's not to say that I didn't, ha that I didn't have troubles, um, but I will say I am actually very proud of myself for just strapping on my boots taking my own advice and really, really getting down to it and beating this game. Um, I did not think I was going to beat this game a couple months ago. I thought that I was, I was stuck forever and I would never be able to get past the boss that I would on that I was on. Um, but just like any other from software game, souls like game, all these bosses do have tells all the bosses do have patterns um, and really getting down and learning those things is what's going to really take you take you through most of these fights. But also, also customizing your mech is going to be the big thing as well. Um, and I, I I know I preached that so much during my time talking about the game, but I I I, I and I was taking my own advice seriously. But for some reason, for that last for that boss fight that I was stuck on, that that kind of made me re, you know rethink life. Um, I uh, I just I didn't have enough stuff on me. I was I was too complacent in my build. I thought it was I thought it was too good to fail, and 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 because of that, I I banged my head against a wall for quite some time uh, before eventually getting over that hump, getting over that hurdle. And like I said, that's not to say that I didn't have trouble in the rest of the chapters for the game, um, but. It def like definitely once I started to em embrace the different parts more, I, I started to get through the game uh, a little bit quicker than I was expecting, which was was which was great. And the game is still amazing. I think the graphically it looks great. Gameplay wise, it's stellar. 
Um, it's one of those games that just gives you it gives you the reins and says, "Hey, you can kind of do whatever you want." I mean, I know that there are like certain bosses that require certain things to make them easier, but you could you could just you know do what you want. You know, you you could just be like, "Oh, I I just want to." have a Gatling gun and a flamethrower and two rocket launchers. That's all I want. And, and a light build so I can I can dash around and whatever. Uh, this person is not doing a very good job of playing Armored Core. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can do, you can, you can do that thing. But you, I mean, you know, obviously the biggest bit of advice you can give to anyone who's struggling with this game or anyone who wants to play this game is to really customize your mech, really, really get into a groove here. Um... Hey, it's not a Yummy the Fair stream without Randy barking. Um, so, I will say the final boss that I went against for my playthrough, my first playthrough, was Ire, and that's a that that's a that's a boss fight that made my soul leave my body. <laughs> I I was banging like I think it was either Callus was streaming New Year's Eve. Yes, Callus was streaming New Year's Eve, and I think. Wasn't Greedy streaming, like, before that? But I was fighting that boss since Callus started streaming, and I still had not beaten it by the time that Callus was done streaming and went to bed. And I was trying everything I could possibly think of to beat this, the, the boss. And the reason why the boss was so annoying was because she had a instant hit move where she zipped around to the back of your mech and just slashed you three times, which would take me down to low health almost immediately. And I tried slow builds. I tried quick builds. I tried uh, super damage builds. I tried, like, you know, I, I tried I, I tried everything I could possibly try to get past this, this fight. Um, have a good haircut, Greedy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, in, in the end, I had to set down my controller and go to bed. And I woke up in the morning determined, more determined than ever, to to finish off Armored Core. And it was in that determination that I failed for about another hour. And then I finally, finally, finally had my luck. Um, and not luck as in like, oh, the boss glitched. But luck as in I found a strategy that was pretty sound. There are several columns of pillars in the battlefield that if you stood between them, she couldn't rotate around you all the way, leaving her open to attacks every so often. So what I did is I attached my most powerful grenade launchers to the back of my mech, and I put on the uh, the pulse uh, rifle, not the pulse rifle, the pulse shotgun that takes away shields really quickly. And what I did is I, I, I fired both my pulse shotguns at her at the same time to take her shield down as much as I could, and then I pelted her with the grenade launchers the next time that she was available, which allowed me to get enough damage to eventually take her down. And when that happened, I was praying to whoever was above that there was not another phase or that there was not another boss after that. Because at that point, I was not just in, like physically spent. Like My fingers were hurting and my, my mind, my brain was mush. Not only was I physically spent, but I was mentally spent as well. Like I, 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 I could, I could not. If there was another boss after that, I probably would have screamed, <laughs> because, 
Um, I was I for a grand total of like four and a half to five hours, I was stuck on that final boss fight, and um, most of that time was spent just kind of like dying really quickly, and then switching around, and then dying, and then switching around really quickly. Um, I, I I did even I did try like a melee build as well, which also just was not good. I I died almost immediately. I ended up. I ended up doing more of a tankish build, um, and yeah, when I found out that she couldn't like really track you as well when you're in the columns, that's when I took advantage of some of the, some of the some of the a little bit of cheese, I guess you would say, a little bit of cheese there, and I was able to get the win. Um, but that was a very tough boss fight and kind of annoying at times too. And I know that there's two more endings that you can get, two more bosses you can get. Uh, at this point, I probably won't be playing through the game again um right away at least uh, maybe not at all I, I but i but i really i mean up until that third that that chapter where i was stuck against that one boss fight i was i was really enjoying myself like i was making lots of progress and i was having a good time um and then after i beat that one boss i had good a good time again don't get me wrong uh, but then it but bit but then pretty quickly after that i ran into that ire fight which was just so so very draining so very draining but uh we ended up getting through it and if it wasn't for that final fight i probably would have given it a five but it's a four and a half as of right now and maybe in the future i will go through a new game plus because i know that there's new missions and there's like um new enemy configurations to fight throughout the uh throughout that um but I just I'm I'm just not mentally there. Like that's like asking, like that's like asking someone who just got through Elden Ring playing like eighty hours of the game and being like, hey, do that again, like right away, <laughs> like after after all is said and done, do it do it again. You you just you just explore the entire map for for eighty hours. Just do do that again, like right away. I'm I'm like, <laughs> even I, the person who like I I really enjoyed Elden Ring. I'm I'm not running to get back to the game anytime soon because it's just such a massive game and there was so much ground to cover, and it's it's kind of the opposite problem for Armor Core where it's like there's not a lot of ground to cover. I mean, in, in the end, it's five or six chapters, which isn't too bad, but the mental drain that that was on me for that final bout of playing the game does not make me want to jump back on it and just go at it again. I, even though I did start some of the missions. I very quickly was like, yeah, I'm kind of like spent. I'm kind of mentally drained. I don't even want to. I don't even want to have this game, you know, in my in my mind right now. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, that's that's Armored Core Six. Very good game. Very enjoyable for the most part. <clears throat> Just kind of fell a bit short at the end in terms of some boss design decisions there. Um, but yeah. Armor Core 6. Next up is NASCAR Arcade Rush, which, funny enough, is by the same people behind some of the worst worst games of the year. Um, but I will say that in terms of worst games of the year, Game Mill definitely put out a competent arcade racer. And I know I talked about this game a little bit early in the year, um, but I will say <coughs> that there's actually some decent to good ideas in this racing game. Arcade racers are not everyone's cup of tea. I understand. 
I do like my fair share of arcade races. As long as they have some interesting gameplay, they have drifting, whatever, I will probably play them for a while. I mean, Mario Kart 8, I've been playing that for several years at this point, right? Um, and, 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 of course, I've been playing Mario Kart since, like, the GameCube era. I didn't get the N64, Mario Kart 64, because I was a broke, small child. Uh, but Double Dash, I played that so much. Anyway, so I bought this game with the understanding that it's a game mill game, but it actually doesn't look half bad. And I will say this, it's not terrible. Actually, it might be probably the best thing that Game Mill has put out in a while, <laughs> which I guess isn't saying much, all things considered. It's competent, it works fairly well. Uh, the racetracks are actually pretty well designed, but the problem is that there, there's not enough racetracks. You play the same racetracks over and over and over again. Um, and there's some cool ones in there. Like there's one that's kind of like Baby Park where it's like a really short figure eight, like a double figure eight. And it's like in this like, like clockwork area. Uh, there's another track that like you go through like downtown Detroit and you go through like a car factory. Uh, there's another one that's like this Neo Tokyo kind of highway kind of thing going on, um, which was pretty cool too. Uh, lots of boosts and lots of fast gameplay. Um, there's several courses that are just really well designed. There's some courses that are kind of like more of like a slog to get through. But for the most part, I found like the course design to be really good. And also the idea that they had for the um, the boost was actually really cool, cool too. Something that I've really never seen before is all like there's like four different ki types of boost pads that you can go across. One of them is just a normal boost. It's blue. It's just a normal boost. It gives you extra boost speed. One is yellow, which refills a port, a very small portion of your boost meter. Um, so those are definitely worth hitting if you're low on boost or if you want some extra boost. Um, and then there's also long strips of blue, which are relatively fast. And there's long strips of purple, which are even faster, which is really cool. It really gives you like that strategy of like, okay, I need to be on the purple strip for this one. Or, oh, I need to be on the blue. You know, I should be on the blue strip instead of the boost pads, the blue boost pad, you know, stuff like that. And then also the other actually surprisingly interesting thing is they have a pit stop in the game. And in this pit stop, it, it slows you down, kind of like a real pit stop would in real life if you do it in a NASCAR race or anything like that. And it refills your boost gauge all the way, 100%. So you get those little chip boost fills, but the main fill is in the pit stop. Which I thought was actually really cool because now you have to strategize like, oh, should I get refill my boost on the first lap or the second lap? Or should I refill my boost every single lap? Or whatever. It ended up it, The meta ended up being the refill your boost every single lap. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's just a cool thing that, like, not I haven't seen that in any other arcade racer. Like, the, the idea of, like, actually going to a pit stop to re refill your boost meter. Can we, get to, can we actually get to some gameplay in this video, please? Like, come on. Um, so yeah, those are the good things about the game. Those are the, those are actually the, the decent things. The track design is pretty cool. The cars themselves are fine, whatever. Uh, but you know, the different boost abilities and the pit stop are really cool. I like that. And I think the graphic style is pretty nice too. It's like this cartoony kind of vibe to it. Where this game fails is the lack of track variety. You play a lot of the tracks multiple times throughout the, the championship tournament things, um, and there's like 10 or so of those with four tracks each. So you play the same maps a lot. Sometimes several several championships in a row you play the same map. It's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, 
The other thing is the physics. The physics in the game are a bit wonky when you're in the air. Uh, so like, there's several maps that have jumps, and if you don't land properly, or if you land a little bit off, your car will just kind of like flip, fly, fly around, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, it, it it really did screw me at one point. Um, the uh, the game, <laughs> the game like. I, I was landing in the game like did maybe do like a couple of of three sixties and then I landed and I was against the wall and it was the last lap and it was right before the finish line and I got screwed I got like eighth place and um, yeah that's the thing it's like okay um, you know we 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 could have done better with the phys- physics in the game you know could have done a little bit better with the physics in this game. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, it's just uh, other bad things about the game is the amount of grind you have to do to unlock cars. This guy is rolling with like this hover car, which I don't think you get until level 80 if you don't buy the car. Um, but uh, the, the level of grinding, like by the time that I finished all of the tournaments, I was only at level 40 of 80, which um, was kind of disappointing. <laughs> Also, the online community is dead at this point, so if you're getting this game for multiplayer, there's not going to be anyone playing anymore. But that's being said, like, in terms of game mill games, it's not so bad that I wouldn't... that I wouldn't ever play it again, but it's not good enough for me to, like, recommend it. Because the main thing that this game is missing to make it... to probably that would have made it way more fun is drifting. There's no drifting in this arcade racer! And that makes the steering feel kind of bad. And that's one of the reasons why this game is going to end up with a 2.5 out of 5. Um, if they had added drifting into this game, it probably would have been a 3 or a 3.5. Something to make it a little bit more fun. Something to make it a little bit more uh, wacky. Because there's so many courses in this game that have turns. Just just turns everywhere. And how fun would it have been to drift around all these corners? Drift around everything like that. It's just... It's unfortunate. So... Um, for that reason and the others that I've listed, uh, I'm going to give this game a 2.5. It's not the worst arcade racer I've ever played. It's honestly not the worst game that has come from Game Mill this year. Um, but it's not something that I would recommend even to like kids. Maybe kids who like NASCAR will get a kick out of it. But I will say that um, for me as an adult playing this game, I don't think I would... I, I would just I would just have my kid play Mario Kart or something like that, you know. Like the, I, I I wouldn't go out and, and seek this game out, you know. So there you go. And the final game that I paid played this past week, probably actually the only new game besides from uh besides from playing more Final Fantasy this year. I'm sorry, yeah, this year, <laughs> already. Uh, besides from playing more Final Fantasy, I ended up getting picking up this game called Drumbox, which um, I just want, I just, I, I would like to show you all the cover for the game. Um, let me pull up Discord here. Let me show you all the cover for this game. And tell me, tell me what you think that this game should, uh, what you think this game should be, Okay. We got a drum kit with someone holding drumsticks. The track kind of looks rock band-esque with people cheering and, and stuff in the background. I mean, talk about false advertising, right? So I picked this game up not not thinking that it was going to exactly be like this. But, you know, 
close to it. Um, the gameplay is... It's more so like rock like if you're doing vocals in Rock Band or Guitar Hero, where the notes fly from the right of the screen to the left of the screen, and you have to pit, you have to hit the corresponding button on your controller. Uh, so there's no there's no input from you personally with the drumsticks, um, and there's several different like styles of music, which is not a bad thing. But I mean, what I was getting when I was playing this game was major screen tear. And what that means is that the the screen has like little lines going through it because it's not loading properly. The game's not loading properly, and that made this game so difficult to fucking play. I cannot tell you how difficult it was to play this game with screen tear. And I was playing Final Fantasy 16. I was playing Armored Core. Never had screen tear. I'm playing this on the PS5. This game, Drumbox, made my screen tear. Okay, and that is not something that you want to fucking do. Also, I don't know if you guys know this, but if we're looking at a PS5 controller, this these face buttons, you know, they're pretty easy to press one at a time, and sometimes two at a time if you do, like, a, the ones that are near each other. But what this game wants you to do, look at a controller right now, whether it be an Xbox controller, PlayStation, etc. It wants you to press X cross they want you to press cross and triangle at the same time without touching the other buttons on the controller i don't know about you guys okay but when i'm playing a game like this okay where i have my fingers like this because there were l2 and r2 and r1 inputs okay when i'm playing with like this it's not that easy to have your thumb be over the X and the triangle button at the same time and press it at the same time while also not pressing the other two buttons on the controller, okay? I, if you have a controller in your hands right now, it doesn't matter if it's Xbox, Switch, PlayStation, try and hit the X and the triangle at the same time without pressing the other buttons. I can guarantee you that it's not going to be perfect the first time. And imagine trying to press those two button combinations and also square and circle as well. They would do square and circle as well. Try and press those button combinations while the song is going this fast. While the song is going this fast, okay? So what I would do for some songs is I would hold my controller like an N64 controller almost, where I have one hand on the right side of my controller and the other hand kind of cradling it where the touchpad is so I could press the buttons themselves. But the problem arises that the heart the harder the game gets, like the harder difficult you get to, it starts adding in presses for L1 and L2 for your hi-hat, and R1's the cowbell, and now we're doing the uh, directional buttons on your D-pad for the toms and stuff, and it's, it's just it just really didn't work at all. And it, it was one of those it's one of those games that's like super difficult, but also really bad i did end up getting the platinum trophy for it i 100 percented the game because it wasn't that difficult all things considered but i will say that this was one of the most frustrating things that i've ever had to do see how fast those the button inputs are going for the for the hardest mode <laughs> my screen would tear uh, not and i couldn't really see the fucking notes one and then two sometimes they were just really bizarre combinations of 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 button inputs and i bought the game because you know uh, from 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 an outside looking in it doesn't look that bad like you know this little arcade game where you're playing drums um but when you start playing the game you really do feel the full like shit that this game is so if you haven't 
Um, or if you have, or if you, uh, what am I trying to say? Stay away from this game. Just don't buy it. It's it's eight bucks, which is more than this game deserves, and uh, it's just not that great, all things considered. The music tracks aren't really that good either. They're definitely made like on a MIDI keyboard or inside of a program, um, and like the track itself, like the button inputs. When you get to the end here, it's not always like I, I I would press like let's say I press A right when it comes to the line here. Sometimes it would just be early or late for no reason. <laughs> it's just it's, it's just an incompetent game, and um, it definitely did not it did it did not scratch any itch. <laughs> for a rhythm game uh so uh yeah i mean in terms of like fast-paced button combo games play like play like that game that came out last year rhythm sprout or something like that this just was not it this was not it bro and it will never be it all right let's move on to the next part of the show which is going to be what is in the news All right, so first up, we alluded to this a couple times, and if you have comments, please let me know in the chat. But, uh, Xbox, we all know that Xbox, PlayStation, they have a share button to share clips of gameplay online. And someone who probably was thinking with their dick and not their brain decided to capture some gameplay from Baldur's Gate 3, uh, which he describes as a uh, naked camp time fun. So I'm guessing he it was like a sex scene or something like that, or maybe a scene with a lot of naked people. And he pressed the uh, save clip option. But what he what he didn't understand was when he saved clips, they were automatically being uploaded to the Xbox servers and on his profile. So now this moment of horny brain uh, ended up getting him a one-year ban, 366-day suspension for the recording of some explicit moments from Baldur's Gate. In a Reddit post, the person named Daddy Vegas, who now has his uh, his uh, various um, horny thoughts uh, uploaded, <laughs> said that he recorded three clips last night of some naked camp time fun. Xbox, by default, uploads all recorded clips to the server for easy sharing. Each clip counted as a different infraction and got my account banned for a year. I'm hoping that the appeals process fixes this, but as of now, I can't play any game that requires a network connection, basically making all the money he's put into Modern Warfare 3 over the past six months even more worthless. And here's the picture of his uh, of his suspension here. Uh, the game, All three of the game clips got him different varying suspension days. So the first clip uh, was a four-day suspension. The second clip was a 22-day suspension, and then the third clip, the third strike, was a 366-day suspension, which is about a year and a couple days. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I kind of, I, I, I would kind of think that this goes without saying, but don't save or upload the clips of the sexual acts in Baldur's Gate because, as I know from various research. They, I mean, the scenes do get a bit explicit at times. Uh, way more explicit than anything from, like, Cyberpunk or Mass Effect, right? Uh, so, obviously this was a oopsie mistake. Like, oh, I'm going to save this because I want to wank to it or something like that. I don't know. Um, but in the end, it ended up getting his account banned. And actually, the dev behind Baldur's Gate came out in a Twitter post 
uh, I'm sorry, the director of publishing came out on Twitter post and said, uh, we've seen the reports that some players are getting banned other, or otherwise face issues on Xbox having uploaded screenshots and videos of their gameplay content. Uh, we're in discussion with Microsoft and we're looking into it. And, if, and <laughs> this is annoying and uncool, which is probably my favorite line of the year so far. Um, so, yeah, at this point, um, if you are playing Baldur's Gate and you want to save a sexual encounter with another character, uh, maybe boot up OBS or maybe, I don't know, turn off the instant sharing on Xbox or PlayStation. I don't even know if you can on PlayStation turn it off. Uh, but if you do need to uh, hide your various escapades, uh, here's a here's a handy feature here. Uh, go to your profile and system settings, go to settings, go to preferences, go to capture and share, choose automatic uploads and turn off the feature from there. That'll 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 circumvent the Xbox automatically uploading your clips to the Internet. And unfortunately, this guy had to get a year long ban in order to learn that this character kind of looks like hollow. Am I am I losing my mind? This character kind of looks like hollow on the screen. Um. Anyway, uh, but, uh, yeah, so he's probably, this is probably going to be reversed. I would think this is going to be reversed. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wait to hear from, from anything from this. Uh, if they don't, if it, if it doesn't get reversed, that's a, that's pretty crazy, but it, it should get reversed. I mean, it's gameplay, whatever. So there you go. Baldur's Gate 3 could possibly get you banned on PlayStation or Xbox if you save those spicy, spicy uh, spicy, spicy moments. Alright, Jack Black is going to star as Steve in the Minecraft movie. Wow. This is insane. <laughs> like, out of all the things that are insane, this is in, this is insane casting. Like, him as Bowser, not too bad of a casting, honestly. Him as Steve? I don't know, man. I just, I just don't know. Uh, Jack Black announced this in an Instagram post where he was reading a book called Minecraft Basics for Dummies in his mansion uh, with pink walls. Uh, he was reading that. Um, it got over a million, almost two million likes at this point. Um, but yeah, Jack Black is going to be Steve. Uh, the film is is targeting a 2025 release, so I think it's going to be an animated movie. Although we don't have. 100% confirmation, but I think it's going to be an animated movie at this point. Um, in a description about the about the about the movie, uh, they said the male the malevolent Ender Dragon sets out on a path of destruction, prompting a young girl and her group of unlikely adventurers to set out and save the overworld. Um, so yeah, uh, Jack Black is starring opposite Jason Momoa and Daniel Brooks, along with Sebastian Eugene Hansen. Who have all signed on to play various characters, uh, but Jack is officially Minecraft Steve, the poster child of Minecraft. And I just don't see Jack Black's voice coming from this character. <laughs> I just don't see that. Bowser, sure, I can make it work. Steve, I don't know, man. Kind of weird. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, like with 99% of Super Mario movie. But uh, yeah, kind of a. Very strange, very strange. No Anna Taylor Joy in this one so far, but hold on to your butts. Next up, Square Enix is going to implement some AI into a strategy for 2024. This is coming after the 
blockchain stuff that's that Square Enix was doing and the um, the crypto stuff that they were doing as well, uh, selling uh, crypto, uh, selling like AI art, not AI art, uh, crypto art and stuff like that. Uh, the president Takashi Kiru uh, talked about how they're going to be aggressively applying AI and other cutting edge technologies to both the content development and publishing of their video games, which is um, pretty crazy. We already saw Final Fantasy six. Uh, I'm sorry, Final Fantasy seven Rebirth artwork being made by AI, uh, and um, that was not great. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a very troubling thing. Square Enix is definitely in a weird place where it's like, yeah, the games are still pretty good, but now all of a sudden we're implementing these weird things like AI into working on video games. Like I understand AI as a tool, not only for artists, but maybe for game development where it can fill in the cracks of the code that maybe you don't need to, you don't need to like focus on like you can focus on other things while the ai fills in the little bits of information there or same thing with like art where it's like you know you can draw something and have the ai kind of like do stuff with it fill in the blanks maybe so more so with animation but even then it's like if this aggressive ai and cutting edge technology takes jobs away from human beings it's definitely gonna be frowned on majorly frowned on i'm already frowning on this because we don't need AI in the video game space. We don't need AI in the art space either, or the, or the television or movie space. But we certainly don't need AI in the video game development sphere. And like, I think a lot of companies forget that all the bangers, all the greatest hits, all the greats have been made by human hands. And when you put AI into the mix, it's never as good. <laughs> with art, with music with video games it's never as good as when a human is there fine-tuning it tweaking it and making it perfect there was that ai artist music artist that put out a song this past year and do you know how terrible it was people in the comments were like oh my god this is so good no it's it wasn't it was cliche it was going off of prompts it looked weird it didn't sound good and the same thing is going to happen with anything that AI is a part of. You need that human hand to go, oh, this is bad. Let's tweak that. Oh, this isn't good. Let's tweak that. Just eliminate the AI then. Just eliminate the AI and let humans take the reins, okay? If you're going to implement AI, use it for the small things, the bits of code that you don't need to have finesse on, right? If you're going to, don't be aggressive, but just lightly sprinkle it in there if you must. So we'll see how this how this rolls over. We'll see what happens in the near future when AI is making the next Final Fantasy game. Xbox has put out an official Xbox Series S toaster. We had the Xbox Series X fridge, and now we have the Series S toaster. And it is real, and it's already sold out at Walmart. That's where they were selling it, at Walmart. I have an Xbox Series S. This looks pretty similar. <laughs> I will say it looks pretty similar. I do believe I do believe that people joked about the Xbox Series S looking like a toaster at one point. So Xbox said, "All right, fine, we'll do it." Uh, this was revealed back in March. I don't think I talked about it though. Um, so this Xbox Series S two slice toaster was up for sale on Walmart's website, and I believe you can find it at stores for forty dollars. 
It has some five-star reviews so far, but uh, let's t let's 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 talk about the specs on this thing. Um, meet the Xbox Series S toaster. This appliance will take your kitchen countertop to the next level. The shade selector dial lets you toast your bread, English muffins, frozen waffles, and bagels exactly how you like them every time. Anywhere from lightly toasted to dark. Multiple family members or roommates? Keep a list of everyone's settings to score the group breakfast bonus. <laughs> uh, the countdown timer lets you know how much longer until your toast pops up. No more breakfast-induced jump scares or trying to spread butter on bread that has already gone cold. <coughs> Excuse me, because you were trying to find a good save point. But wait, there's more. It imprints the Xbox Sphere logo on your bread while it's eating it. It's the next generation in toasting console. Get yours today. So yeah, kind of a funny thing. Like I said, it's already sold out, but it's only $40, which isn't that bad, honestly. The Xbox Series X fridge was like $150, which was crazy because it like most of them didn't work. Uh, but this actually seems like a little fun thing to have. Um, I've already gone through the specs, but um, you know, has has ejection uh, sensors. It has an LED digital light countdown. It imprints the Xbox logo. It automatically will shut off if it isn't in use, which is pretty cool too. There's a removable crumb tray, gotta have that. And an auto-centering auto cent guide. So there you go. So uh, yeah, if you wanna pick that up, uh, probably have to wait for a restock at this point, but uh, $40 at Walmart if you wanna check that out. All right, Frogware Interactive. Um, they had a lawsuit for their games, uh, one of them including the Sinking City. I think the Sinking City was the main lawsuit that was happening. Um, this is a Ukrainian developer called Frogwares, and they have actually emerged victorious after a legal battle with the publisher Nacon over the Lovecraftian game The Sinking City. Uh, Frogwares is now the official sole publisher of the IP, and of course they developed the game too. Uh, this was all the way back in 2023 that we originally started getting reports of the game being taken down and there being legal trouble. And now finally, at the Sinking City on Twitter, came out with a post saying that they had won their lawsuit. Frogwares is now the sole publisher of the Sinking City on all platforms, including PC. So you can expect the latest version of the game to be available on Steam, Epic Games, GOG, and Games Planet for in a few weeks. The latest version will come with all the previous bug fixes and optimizations, as well as a few things to keep in mind for the existing owners of the game on Steam and Epic Stores. Uh, due to a number of technical reasons, your old saves won't be compatible with the latest version. On Steam, when you launch the game, you will have the option to keep playing the old version if you want to finish it. We're keeping the old version only for a limited time. Please consider finishing your playthrough before February 28th, 2024. Alternatively, we will soon release new saves for you to download and use. On Epic Games, you will also be able to download and use our saves. I want to thank you for all your support and patience, and we look forward to sharing more news in the future about The Sinking City very soon. So there are some caveats to the whole thing, obviously, because they had to republish and re-put the game onto storefronts. Um, there was a lot of craziness that, happened, that had to happen there. Um, but uh, it's nice that they won this legal battle. They are officially publishing their own game. And um, we'll see where they go in the future. They, got, they, they can do many things. Earthbound, a.k.a. Mother... Mother, is it just Mother 2? It's Mother 2. 
Uh, so the original Earth, so Earthbound in America is originally Mother Two in Japan. It's it's a, actually celebrating its thirtieth anniversary this coming year, or actually this year, I will say. On uh, Nintendo of Japan's Twitter account, which is in Japanese, of course, had to be translated. It says, "Happy New Year! 2024 marks the 30th anniversary of release of Mother 2. We are preparing various plans, so let's enjoy this year together." <clears throat> so, we did get Mother 1 and 2 on the Nintendo Switch Online service for the SNES and NES. Um, so that is a good thing. You can play the game right now if you so desire. Both games, the prequel and the sequel. Um, but what does various plans mean? Does that mean that they're doing a remaster, a remake? Does that mean that they're re-releasing the games uh, outside of the Nintendo Online service? Does this mean that they are releasing Mother Three finally in the U.S. with a with English, with an English with an English translation? What does this mean? We're not sure yet. But what we do know is that they are planning to do something, at least in Japan. Maybe not in America, but at least in Japan. So keep your eyes peeled for the first Nintendo Direct of the year, which usually happens in February, uh, which is actually um, relatively soon at this point. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Maybe there will be something mother-related in, in the next Direct or maybe it'll only be in the Japanese version. I guess only time will tell. Uh, the game originally released on August 27th, 1994 in Japan. And then it came over in 1999, I believe, uh, after NES appeared in the N64 version of Smash Bros. Um, so, uh, there you go. Pretty cool. Alright, Gran Turismo Sport has been delisted completely from the PlayStation Store. You can't buy it, uh, but you can re-download it if you already bought the game. Now, um, this originally was supposed to be taken off the store on the 31st of January. They did it early, though. On the 6th, uh, I'm sorry, the 5th of January, the game was officially taken down. Um, um, all the offline modes will still be playable, of course, but anything online won't be playable. Uh, but with them taking the game down from stores early, that means anyone who is waiting for a last-second sale has officially missed out on the game. Uh, this was announced last year, which I did—I do believe I talked about it being shut down last year. Uh, but now the 2017 title will be gone for good from the digital storefronts. Now there are still physical versions of the game, which you can track down and find. Maybe those versions of the game will boost up in price. So if you have a physical version, maybe you have a gold mine. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but as of right now, the game will not be available to download to uh, buy, but you can re-download it if you did uh, it did already purchase it digitally. Okay, <clears throat> let's move on to the next part of the show, which is what's coming soon. Okay. Disney themselves accidentally outed the Star Wars Outlaws PS5 release window. Now, I know that it said 2024 back in the day when Ubisoft showed off the trailer for it, um, but we now know that it's going to be late this year. <clears throat> Probably meaning like a November, October release, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, now, I know... I know Probably a lot of people want it early 2024. I personally am really excited for this. Um, it doesn't look like the regular Ubisoft schlock. 
Um, it definitely looks like they put a lot of time and care and effort into this game from what we've seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, in a blog post by Disney Parks, I don't know if that's like a blog site for the parks in general, um, they uh, they they um, may have accidentally revealed in the blurb that it will be late this year instead of, 20, instead of the neutral 2024. Now, of course, um, this isn't 100% confirmed, but with it coming directly from Nintendo, we can only assume that Outlaws will be coming in late 2024. Um, it's definitely not going to launch early this year because of the crazy group of games coming out, but uh, I think late 2024 sounds about right. Now, it's always possible that it could be delayed until 2025. I mean, games like this that are this big and this popular, I mean, it was the second most wanted game uh, at the Game Awards in the next to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Um, but... Uh, yeah, as long as they put the polish on here, don't release it early like Jedi Survivor, I think it's going to be a great game. And um, it's going to be something different for the Star Wars universe in terms of video games because we've had a lot of games that are either like Jedi games or like, I don't know, racing games, I guess. So it's going to be a little bit of a different journey here. Does look interesting. Definitely interested in that. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Maybe around Summer Games Fest time, they'll give an official release date uh what we'll the wait and see as you may or may not have heard steamboat willie the ver that version of mickey mouse and his friends are all available in the public domain now so you can kind of take the ip and kind of do what you want as long as it's transformative and uh people are already making movies about a killer mickey mouse steamboat willie type mickey mouse but now they're making games further showing that people cannot be original to save their life. Uh, so essentially in this game, it's called uh, Infestation Origins or something like that. Um, you will, it's like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, maybe like a dead by daylight kind of thing where one person plays against uh, others and you try and take out the infested rat nest. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It's called Infestation 88. All right. Uh, it's a new co-op horror game based around uh, Mickey Mouse. Uh, so uh, in a Twitter post, it said, Announcing Infestation 88, a co-op horror game in which you are playing as the exterminator treating sinister infestations caused by twisted versions of classic characters and urban legends. In early 1988, what was thought to be an outbreak of vermin morphed into something far more sinister. Infestation 88 is an episodic one-to-four-player co-op survival horror game in which you and your friends and our exterminators called in to treat those mysterious infestations. Do you know why it's episodic? Do you know why? Because they literally started working on this game probably about a month or two ago when they heard that Steamboat Willie was going to be was going to be uh, public domain. That's the entire that's the entire gist of it. It's not going to be a complete game at launch. It's it's probably just going to be another one of those games that comes through. It's a horror survival horror game. It's going to probably be on the same... It's probably going to have the same lifespan as, like, Chainsaw Massacre, where it's like, it gets some pomp and circumstance, but in the end, who's going to really play it over other games that have done it better and, and are long longer standing? Um, so, uh, it's either called Infestation Origins or Infestation 88. It, they, I guess they haven't nailed down which what's going to be called yet, either. Um, but once again, this just shows how unoriginal people are, because we've already had, like, three instances of Steamboat Willie Mickey Mouse being evil... And it's kind of run its course at this point. We've had Winnie the Pooh. We've had the Grinch. We've had uh, Pinocchio. What's next? Steamboat Willie, obviously. The new Prince of Persia game. 
well, they released some stats about how it's going to run on various consoles. And on the PS5, it's going to run at 4K resolution with 120 frames per second. Now, obviously, you need a TV that can run 120 frames per second. Um, but that's a pretty that's pretty nice. Um, if you are on the PS4 Pro version, it'll run at 60 FPS. Uh, while gameplay in four, uh, while gameplay will be in 4K, um, and also the standard version of the PS5 will run 60 FPS at uh, 1080p, which makes sense. Um, I'm very excited to play this game. It's definitely one of the mo- one of those games I'm very excited to play. Uh, Prince of Persia hasn't been around since like I don't know. 2008 or something like that <laughs> like something crazy like that uh so uh, prince of persia the lost crown some good specs there uh very excited for that ubisoft i mean you know say what you want about ubisoft but they might be cooking this year prince of persia and star wars outlaws we'll see how they've come out in their final form but hopefully this is a strong start to the year this is like the first major release right next to the last of us part two remastered uh so we'll see how that f- how that goes Speaking of Last of Us Part 2 Remastered, nice segue, Emmy. Uh, the new No Return mode is being is being uh, lauded as super difficult. Uh, the developer behind the, one of the developers behind the game named Del Walker said on Twitter, I don't think you guys are ready for just how stressful the survival mode for the Last of Us 2 Remastered title is. Not recommended for weak hearts. Ah, wow. Sounds like this is going to be a real... A real banger of a roguelite mode. Um, I did not personally find God of War Valhalla's, you know, God of War Ragnarok Valhalla to be that difficult per se. I did get through it relatively quickly, um, so I'm not like I'm not I'm not taking what this person said to heart. I mean, I know it's a developer or whatever, but I'm not taking this to heart entirely. Um, I'm sure it'll be a pretty intense, stressful mode because the game itself is pretty stressful and 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 whatever um i don't know i don't know if it's gonna be super i mean the main game itself is not really that difficult in my in my opinion i I, even though you can mess up and make it more difficult i don't know i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see you know what the wait and see um i am interested in purchasing the remastered version with a ten dollar upgrade but i'm probably not going to do that until later in the year when i'm actually planning on playing it for like october or something like that um, and maybe I'll find like a physical version on sale, which would be nice because I do like to get, you know, PlayStation games specifically on physically. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes. It's coming out soon though, the day, the day after uh, Prince of Persia. So there you go. RoboCop Rogue City is getting a new game plus mode. Um, officially, it's getting a new game, new game plus mode. This is something that a lot of people have been asking for in the game, seen as the the skill tree really can't be up, upgraded all the way in one playthrough unless you're really, really, like, meticulous with, like, your your pathing and stuff like that. But the RoboCop developer came out on Twitter and said, Many citizens have been asking for a new game plus for RoboCop Rogue City. We've heard you. So stay tuned for more information on this topic in weeks to come. Until then, stay safe and out of trouble. Um, so they didn't give a specific time frame for when... They're even going to announce the game's new game plus mode, but it's nice to know that they are working on it and hopefully will be implementing it in the near future. Personally, I wouldn't mind them keeping the skill tree and maybe taking the upgrades for your gun away because by the end of my playthrough, the gun was overpowered as fuck. But uh, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do. 
A game called Pigeon Simulator Survival is coming out. Uh, this game is a wacky, maybe untitled goose game inspired kind of game where a hipster kicks uh, kicks the pigeon and uh, now we're on a path of revenge, right? Uh, so the game does not look graphically that great per, you know, per se, but it's got that wackiness to it that's going to catch some eyes. You know, the pigeon pulls out AK-47s and stuff like that. Uh, the developer is Midnight Works. Uh, they have taken the reins of a mischievous pigeon who, after being wronged by a hister, must wreak feathery havoc on a local park. Devour forgotten food, replenish lost energy, and engage in aerial hijinks that necessitate a full-scale police response. Um, so, there you go. This is not the Pigeon Simulator game from a few years ago. This is a new, different game, different developer. Uh, this is kind of, this is already out of it. is already available now. It came out on the fourth of January. If you want to check that out, the Cub, which is actually like a sequel to the Golf Club, which came out uh, maybe last year or two years ago at this point. Uh, this is more so like a limbo or inside type game. It's a two D platformer. I believe there's a demo available on Steam right now. Uh, but the game is officially coming out on ni the 19th of January to the Switch, at least. I don't know if there's any other platforms. Uh, let's see here. PlayStation, Steam, and Switch. It's coming to all those places. So, yeah, it looks like a very nice art style for the game, kind of similar to the Golf Club itself. Um, and it looks like it's going to be like a hardcore 2D platformer. Um, looks like you got some platforming stuff to do. That's, that's kind of Donkey Kong Country-esque right there. <laughs> um, and a little Planet of Lana-esque in there, riding on the buffalo. But yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. Looks looks kind of fun. Looks kind of interesting. And as a follow-up to a game that was about golfing, also kind of a weird a weird switch-up to that. Um, but it is in the same universe. They have confirmed that. And like I said, there is a demo available on Steam right now if you want to try that out. Uh, the, the Cub... A uh, collection of games called Top Racer have been delayed until March of 2024. Now, these games were originally called Top Gear, uh, but, the of course, the branding ran out for that, so they had to change the name of them. This is a collection of four games, I believe. Uh, SNES titles, Top Gear, Top Gear 2, Top Gear 3000. It also includes a series crossover with Horizon Chase called Top Gear Crossroads. Um, these games were originally set to come out on the 11th of January, but it's been delayed until March of 2024. Uh, no specifics really for why it's being delayed but they said it's going to enhance the experience for everyone and refine all the classic and exclusive modes so i guess they're just taking a little bit more time on it in the blog post or blurb about the game it says top racer collection brings back the 90s classics in an incredible an incredible package bringing together three iconic games from the renowned racing franchise with online features get up to speed and an experience in the nostalgic mix of action and addictive gameplay the Top Racer Collection features classic titles such as Top Racer, Top Racer 2, Top Racer 3000. In addition, the collection will feature Top Racer Crossroads. Originally released for older systems, Top Racer 1 over gamers with its engaging gameplay, vibrant graphics, and iconic features. I'm sorry, soundtracks. <laughs> uh, this features filters for nostalgic experiences, online mode for multiplayer races, challenge mode with friends and opponents from around the world, uh, time, track, time attack mode, and campaign mode with a custom cup mode. So there you go. Kind of cool. Uh, these games are like those 8-bit era kind of experiences that you might have had back in the day. Uh, kind of um, arcade racers, kind of like cruising USA or something like that. Uh, but instead of cruising, it's top 
gear or top racer as they're calling it now seems kind of i mean you know it's a racing game from the old days you get what you pay for it's probably not going to be too pricey i'm guessing it's going to be like a 20 dollar 20 dollar collection or something like that um but yeah that that's not coming until the 7th of march 2024 top racer collection a gba game boy advance inspired horror game is coming to the switch called the bunny graveyard uh the game originally uh, was released uh, last year in september on steam uh, but now it's getting a switch release which is kind of cool um the game is like a pixel art kind of um sam uh, i, I want to say pajama sam style game uh where you find stuff in the environment and, and uh and uh, it's like a 3D world and 2D world at sometimes, like a point-click world at sometimes. Uh, seems like it's, it's, it seems like it's very horror-based from the from the little trailer that we get here. Um, but yeah, this is coming some point in 2024 to the Switch. It's got overwhelmingly positive reviews on PC, so that's that's pretty good. Uh, so if you want to check that out, the Bunny Graveyard. It's already available on Steam, but if you want to check it out on Switch, it's coming soon. And to wrap it up for today, folks. Here are seven games coming to Xbox Game Pass in January. Uh, so we have Hell Let Loose, which is already available. Assassin's Creed Valhalla coming the 9th, along with Figment. January 11th, we're getting Super Mega Baseball 4 and We Happy Few. And then January 16th, we're getting Resident Evil 2 and Those Who Remain, if you want to check those out. And then here are the games leaving Xbox Game Pass on the 15th of January. Uh, we have Garden Story, Moto GP 22. Persona 3 Portable, Persona 4 Golden, and already left the service on January 5th was GTA 5. So maybe that'll be back, maybe it won't, who knows. Um, so if you want to check any of those games out, you got maybe about a week or so left before you can uh, get back on those. And that, folks, is the live episode of Ferret 64 and the Ferret Awards. I do appreciate everyone who came by today and, and, and watched the the uh the award show and and chatted with me and uh, gave bits and subs and stuff like that I really do appreciate that uh the ferret 64 po- uh, podcast is a labor of love and i do it for y'all um i love doing this podcast i will be doing it for as long as i can um and i always like i said on a the power washing simulator stream i try and be as authentic and original as i can be i play games i talk about them from the heart and the game of uh the game awards the third annual game the ferret awards is just a culmination of everything good about gaming it's about the people who play games and not just about the publishers and big wigs who put them out um which is why you'll see stuff like Dead Island be nominated for things that maybe would never have seen the light of day in the Game Awards or other awards shows. Um, I, you know, I try and I try and highlight as many games as I possibly can. Um, so here's to another year of gaming. The top ten games list is coming out next week, and I will be live at the same time, same place to to live react with you guys for that. If you're a part of the contest, that's coming to a close on Friday next week. So if you haven't inputted your Game of the Year guests or your top 10 list, make sure you do that before the uh, before next Friday. Um, 
uh, because uh, after that, uh, you'll be, it'll, be, it'll be too late. Some fabulous prizes to be had. If you guess the game of the year correctly, you get a, cop, a free copy of that game. If you are the person... If you're the person with the most uh, guesses correct um, and the most right placements correct on your list, you get a fabulous prize as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, the top ten list uh, uh, next to the Ferret Awards is one of my favorite things to do each year. It, I, I really, I really, really put a lot of effort into these things. Um, and, I mean, I said this on the last week's episode of Ferret 64, but I'll reiterate it here. Maybe it wasn't last week. Maybe it was a couple weeks ago. But I will reiterate here. I rate games based on overall quality, right? So something might get a 5 out of 5, but not appear on the top 10 list, you know? That's kind of just how I go with it. And this year, this is some. This is a hint, actually. This year, I more so went with games that I thought were... That I found fun. <laughs> That's kind of where I went with it this year. Um, not Like, ratings do matter. Don't get me wrong, ratings do matter, but a 5 out of 5 indie game doesn't have as strong of a rating as a 4.5 out of 5 AAA game. I've said that before, I'll reiterate it here. Um, I rank games from indie developers on different scales than I do games on AAA scales. Um, and, and sometimes a 4.5 AAA game will beat out a 5 out of 5 indie game. It's just kind of how it works. Sometimes it doesn't work like that because my top 10 lists, maybe they are a little bit hard to predict because I do kind of mix and match things around. This year, though, I focus on what games maybe, what games did I have the most fun with, what games did I have the minimal amount of trouble with, um, and uh, we'll go we'll go from there. Next week, we'll, we'll reveal my top 10 list and what my game of the year is. So make sure you check that out next week. And if you want to, join the competition. It's wide open. You don't even need to be a fan of video games to join it. Just slap a bunch of games together and put my put a guess for Game of the Year. You might win. Who knows? I was going to play Power Wash Simulator today, um, but I've been talking for quite a while, and my voice is sore. And I think that we're going to leave it here for today. So we will get back to Power Wash Simulator. Um... Next next weekend, we'll definitely play Power Wash Simulator because uh, the top 10 list will only be like a 30-minute to a 45-minute um, reaction. So um, we'll play Power Wash Simulator next week. Monday, we're going to be playing Neo. Tuesday will be Lego Marvel. Maybe we'll be able to finish it if it doesn't freeze on me. And then um, my whole computer froze, actually. I can't blame the game itself. My whole computer froze for whatever reason. And then Thursday will be more Neo. Um, and then Saturday is going to be Power Wash Simulator next week. Um, and also the Top 10 Games Contest. So thank you so much, everyone. I very much appreciate everyone who came around to the stream, showed their support. Uh, let me thank some people. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to do the game the game song. Try and guess the game song. Let me Let me pull up that real quick here. Let me pull up that here. Forgot to do that. All right, so you know the drill. If you know the song's name and the year that... I'm sorry. <laughs> if you know the song name and the game that it's from, uh, put it into the Discord or into the comment section on YouTube, on the YouTube version of the podcast. Um, no one has gotten the last three weeks of songs, which is kind of crazy. But maybe someone will get today's song. Here we go. 
Listen close. Hopefully this isn't too loud. Here we go. And go. song's name and the game that's from make sure you comment on the latest episode or in the discord in the fair 64 section um i'll probably post this episode tomorrow um maybe i'll post it today it's hard to say um but uh thank you everyone who came by today also extra thanks to callus for the gifted sub crazy infamous for the bits Tech gaming for the bits and for the resub callus for the gifted sub uh two gifted subs uh greedy for the bits Hollow for the resub, Callus for the bits, Kane for the resub, and Crazy Infamous for the bits once again. Appreciate all of that. Uh, very much appreciate that. Um, I will be back. I will be back on Monday, folks. We're back on Monday. Um, so make sure you swing by Monday to see more Neo. We'll see how far we can get in that. All right. All right. I will not be rating anyone today because we, uh, we're doing a podcast here, so we're going to end with the closing music. Um, but once again, I do appreciate you all for swinging by. I am Yemi the Ferret. I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. The Ferret 64 podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include NintendoLife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.